Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Believe in Mavs right here on the Believe Network. My name is Kevin Gray, Mavericks Insider, alongside my co-host Alex Tosopoulos as we are getting you ready for not only game number four, but also unfortunately lamenting the latest loss for the Dallas Mavericks as they fall three down three games to none to the Golden State Warriors after falling 109 to 100 in game number three, game number four on Tuesday as the Mavericks have to stave off elimination for the rest of this postseason. Alex, what's going on, man? How are we feeling after a, a disappointing game three at the American Airlines Center on Sunday night? All things considered, I feel okay. I mean, the very end of that game, even before Poole hit that that dagger three with about 35, 40 seconds left, I was just looking at their five versus our five on the floor. <laughs> and, you know, you, as, as a fan of the team, you'll talk yourself into anything. And I'm looking at Draymond, and I'm looking at Clay, and I'm looking at Steph. And I go, okay, three Hall of Famers. That makes sense. And then Andrew Wiggins all-star starter and Jordan Poole, who I believe should have been most improved player this year. Um, I, we haven't talked about this, but I have, I have a, a notion in regards to most improved player where I think that a guy like jaw, who's a, you know, a, a top three pick shouldn't even be in contention for most improved player um, because of where he was drafted. But sure. So the, if I were voting, if I had a vote, I would have voted on on Jordan Poole, obviously, last year, at, you know, early in the season he was in the G League. So um, congratulations to where he's brought his game. He's a, he's a tremendous player. He's a joy to watch. So I looked at their five, and I, I looked at our five, and I was like, okay, I'm okay with this because this, <laughs> this is what's supposed to be happening. Um, sure. Yeah, what did you think? What did you think just kind of big picture stuff as you were watching that game? Yeah, being in the building last night and, you know, experiencing the atmosphere, I will say, you know, it wasn't nearly as loud in the American Airlines Center as it typically is for these games. But I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that the Warriors jumped out to a 19-7 run, really kind of took the crowd out of it at the beginning. But the Mavericks were able to fight back throughout the course of the first half. And then with three minutes and 58 seconds left to go in the second quarter, They've got a nine-point lead, and you're thinking, okay, this team has finally figured out a way to kind of not only handle themselves in the moment, but now in front of this home crowd, be able to give them something to hang on to. But then over the final three minutes and 58 seconds and then the first few minutes of the third quarter, which encompassed, I believe, six minutes and 14 seconds, you know, the Warriors closed the second quarter on a 15-5 run. Then they complete the run – finishing it off being 22 to seven by the time you get to the 944 mark, you know, of the third quarter and the Mavericks are down by six, like in just a blink of an eye in six minutes, the Warriors put on you 22 points, holding you to seven and the Warriors never really looked back from there. So it was a difficult night just because you wanted to see this Mavericks team, give this crowd something to stick to and hang on to. But unfortunately they weren't able to. And once again, the third quarters of this series where the Mavericks are now negative 31 in the third quarters in the first three games of this series did them in once again in game three. So negative I think Jason Terry. Uh. I, I mean, yeah, exactly. Exactly. 
I think that's been the most compelling part of this series to this point is for the third game in a row, the Golden State Warriors in the third quarter were able to handle their business and the Mavericks not able to really do anything in the third quarter of this game in game three once again. Yeah, I mean, the rebounding, obviously, that that's the, the huge glaring issue mm-hmm. um, at, at certain points in the game. They had double the amount of rebound. The Warriors had double the amount of rebounds as the Mavs. Um, Steph Curry, I saw some statistics. You probably know the actual validity of this, but Steph Curry has out-rebounded, I think, three Mavs players across the, the, the series. I think, it's, I think it's like Reggie... It's three of our starters, um, mm-hmm. which is obviously not great. He's uh, not necessarily the tallest gentleman on the court out there. No, not at all. <laughs> but but that that fifteen to five run started with a ten zero run, where mm-hmm. they took the lead. We were we were up nine, and then they ended up taking the lead by one. Um, and it, you know, it's just a team. Uh, this is a a quote unquote maker miss league. The Mavericks are the epitome of a maker miss team. But when I look at and, and Part of it is you have to play the cards that you're dealt, right? The roster is what the roster is. Yeah. But in comparison to the Warriors, even if you just look at the regular season, the Mavericks shooters are not as high percentage as the Warriors shooters are. Sure. Just across the board. Poole was a 39% three-point shooter this year. Andrew Wiggins, I believe, was had a career-high three-point percentage of 39.5 or something like that. Steph was at 38 Clay, I know he didn't play the entire season, but he was upper 38s. Um, you look at the Mavericks at Kleba, you know, he had he got hot towards the end there, but the beginning part of the season was abysmal for him. Um, or it was reversed actually, but he was, I think, like 33%. You know, Doe had a good shooting year, he was 39%. Reggie Book was 36%. Luca, of course, was around 34, 35%. So all that to say we're not as good of a shooting team as them to begin with. And now, you know, we're in, we're putting ourselves in a position where we're trying to, to outshoot them. And granted, we missed a lot of open shots and I know the legs weren't there because Doe and, and Reggie, of course, you know, he, he went over 10, but he played such a tremendous series against the Phoenix Suns. He's do, he's asked to do so much on the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, it's understandable that he would have a night like this, where his legs just really weren't there and the shots weren't falling. But to me, this isn't a series that we can win. And I, I know, you know, I, I don't want us to, to hang our heads. It doesn't look like we've quit in, you know, in, in the pressers. Um, it looks like we're going to compete as I expect this team to do. I mean, the one thing about Luka Doncic, he scored 20-plus points in the fourth quarter. The guy does not quit. I know he's 23. I know he's got a lot to learn. But that's one thing that you've got to be excited about if you're an NBA fan, if you're a Mavericks fan, watching this guy as he continues to grow up because to his core, he is an elite competitor and he yeah. loves playing basketball and he loves attempting to win games. And and that's something that whether you like his where you dislike his flopping or his antics or the heliocentric <laughs> style of basketball that the Mavericks play with him, you know, as the core centerpiece, you, you have to appreciate that part of his game. Yeah. And you made a great point. This team is not going to quit. And obviously when you get to this point of a series, you're down three games to none. This is about surviving any way that you can to extend your series and extend your season if you're the Mavericks. And at this point, you mentioned it. You know, the Mavericks are who they are. They're going to shoot a bunch of threes. 
They're going to live and die by the three-pointer. They've done everything that they can to this point, given the roster that they have to try and trim the fat and trying to figure out a way to keep up with these guys. And it just simply hasn't happened through the first three games of the series. I mean, last night, they go 13 of 45 from three, just 29%. Overall, just shoot 40% from the field. And the amounts of shots that these guys are taking, you mentioned Reggie Bullock and Dorian Finney-Smith. We're talking about the number one and two guys this postseason in minutes played. These guys are exhausted. And it's not to say that that's an excuse. That's a valid reason why these guys, especially Reggie Bullock, who went 0 of 10 from the field in game number three, it's just it is what it is at this point. You go 0 of 7, yeah. Is it inexcusable to go 0 of 10 from the field and miss all seven or three pointers? Yeah, you don't want to see a professional go out there and miss all 10 of his shots in a game three where you've got to have it. But at the same time, he's asked to guard the team's best player every night. He was taking on the matchup with Stephen Curry at times in game three. And these dudes are tired. And when you look at the rotation that they're playing, they're only playing when you look at the starting lineup with Dorian Finney-Smith, Bullock, Powell, and Doncic, and Brunson. Those are your starting five. And then your rotation included Dinwiddie, Cleveland, Bertans, and Frank Nilakina. Nilakina played four minutes, and then your next most important bench player, Bertans, played 12 minutes and 38 seconds. So you're talking about basically seven guys that you're running out there as part of your rotation. The Warriors are too deep for that. So when you've got guys like you know Otto Porter and other guys like Damian Lee, all these guys are coming off the bench. It just simply overwhelms you. And I think some of the conversation coming out of game three, you know, talking about the talent disparity between the two teams. I mean, that was evident coming into this series that the Warriors were the more talented team. You were hoping that the Mavericks would be able to, based on some of the bench play that we've seen from them throughout the course of this postseason, they at times would be able to match wits with them. That just simply hasn't been the case. And then finally, you mentioned it. They've been crushed on the boards in this series. And yeah. it's not like this isn't something new that we found out about the Mavericks coming in, but it's really been pronounced because, as Jason Kidd told us today, we're small. This is a small team, and this team has been getting dominated on the boards throughout the course of this postseason and really and obviously in this series. So there's a lot of different things that have contributed to this. Golden State's half-court offense has been fantastic. Their ability to, you know, collect the rebounds. I mean, 14 offensive rebounds is nuts. And you right. saw it time and time again in game three. So, yeah, but that's where we are at this point. The Mavs are who they are, and they're going to go with what they got. And what they got them to the dance was hitting a bunch of threes and outscoring you at times. Yeah. But the, more importantly, when their defense is good, this is when this team is really good. And they held the Warriors to 109 points. Like, if you tell me, now I'm going to get three of my guys to combine for 86 points, and I hold the Warriors to 109 points. I like my chances in that game. Yeah. That just simply wasn't the case in game it, three, though. Hey, and it was a close game. Yeah. And last time we we hopped on together, we were talking about how most of the games in these playoffs, especially the ones that the Mavericks have played in, have not been close. Uh, and a lot of that comes down to the high-volume threes that they take. It's, yeah, you're absolutely right. The, the talent disparity, but that that's no different from the Sun series. And look, the Mavericks mm-hmm. ended up winning that series, right? And, um, you know, and of course, you know, Phoenix fans will probably come back and say, well, well, campaign was injured and Chris Paul was injured and Devin Booker was injured and they can say whatever they want to say, but straight up, they had a, a, from a roster standpoint, they have a more talented team than the Mavericks do. And the Mavericks ended up winning that series. So going into this series, there was that hope, right? That, um, mm-hmm. 
the kid and, and the shooting could come to fruition. The defense could hold up enough against the Warriors. But I, I think it's just, you know, this is a team that's been there and their execution, the offensive rebounds, kicking it back out to Steph, to Andrew Wiggins, mm-hmm. timely three-point shots that are made on second opportunities. That's the difference with this team. They capitalize on all of the windows that are presented to them. Um, and, and they're also just holistically a better defensive team, at least in the playoffs, than, than the Suns were. So you just you got to tip your cap to them. I mean, this team looks like a, a team primed to win the championship. There's, you know, there's more games to play. Obviously, um, it's interesting. I, I watched that game, and I there was that part where Luca got chippy. I think it was the end of the second quarter, and he started he started barking. And I think sometimes he's just finding motivations for himself. Like I don't even <laughs> think there was really anything that they were squabbling that much about, and which I appreciate from him. I. He's really learning. He's he's learning a lot, as he, as he said. He says he still has things to learn, but I think he's learned quite a bit about himself um, as a competitor and about what he wants out of the game of basketball, even in you know the last three weeks to a month. Yeah, and I think for him and Jason Kidd talked about that last night as well. Is that you know this has been a journey for them. They are learning how to win and deal with these moments. And when you come up against a buzzsaw that has three guys that have won three championships. You know, your fourth best player was an NBA All-Star starter. And you look at Jordan Poole and other guys who have really made nice strides in this league. It's tough to compete against that. And when you look at what the Mavericks have done, beating the Utah Jazz in six games, surprisingly beating the Phoenix Suns in the seven games in the fashion that they did, they've learned along the way a lot. And unfortunately, You know, at times in this league, when you're trying to become a championship contender, you have to learn how to win in these moments and go through the pains and the trials and tribulations of learning how to beat quality basketball teams. And the championship experience is something that we talked about coming into the series, but until you're a team that actually feels it from the other side and how they handle moments. Like I was mentioning for game two, I thought they played the perfect game of rope a dope with the Golden State or the Mavericks did, you know, with the Golden State Warriors, where the Warriors just waited the Mavericks out. It's like, we'll let you shoot yourselves out and then we'll take over in the third quarter. In a lot of ways, the same thing happened in game three. The Mavericks, for the most part, were playing well in the first half. And then next thing you know, in the third quarter, not able to generate the kind of offense that allows them to consistently stay in it. And next thing you know, the Warriors pounce in the third quarter, outscoring them. By nine. So all of these things they are learning. And Jalen Brunson, you know, when I was talking to him today, he told me, quote, we just got to play all out. Every possession means something, and we can't look forward to trying to win game seven. We got to win game four and then keep moving on. And at this point, that's what it is. You got to play every possession like it's your last because literally it could be going in game four. But more importantly, don't try to do too much because I think teams in this situation where they haven't been there before, they try to win the game in the first five minutes. You still got to play your game and still be consistent to who you are in terms of the character you are as a basketball team and then find a way to keep this thing close going into the fourth quarter and then take your chances from there going into game four. Yeah, that that's my one critique about having a team identity where you're so reliant upon the three-point shot is that when you see 15 of the shots not go in, you you kind of get fl- you get flustered. and. Sure. Anyone who's playing basketball, if your shot's not falling, you tend to try and force it, right? Then we get a lot of, 
Luca and Brunson in ISO ball situations where the rest of the guys get stagnant. We lose our movement or you, you get a situation where Reggie catches the ball on the wing for an open three. And now he's hesitant to shoot because he's missed six. Right. And that's when the identity starts to crumble a little bit. Um, and, and credit to the warriors for really having different options. I mean, they used, they utilized Looney so well in the first half. Um, and, and he was able to, you know, obviously collect offensive rebounds, but, but catch off the off of the pick and roll and get some just easy drop in buckets. I mean, obviously there, there's no one on our team that can really step up to him from a physical presence standpoint outside of Boban. But of course we can't, can't put Boban out there because he can't move very well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned the size factor earlier. Dwight Powell and Maxi Kleba are, are not big. They're for in regards to like NBA standards for what, how big wide and tall a big can be. A guy like Kevon Looney is a he is a big man, and um, he's kind of the quintessential center. He reminds me a lot of of the early center iterations of of the, that the Mavericks had in the two thousands with with Haywood and Dampier and Desagna Jop. Um, he's he's similar to those guys, although I think he he fits schematically in an offense a little bit better than some of those guys did. But no disrespect to Bwood because I think he's a, he's one of the <laughs> best shot blockers that the Mavericks ever had. Um, but I just think that what Kerr managed to whip up, of course, on the defensive side, throwing a lot of different looks at the Mavericks, but really letting everyone eat offensively mm-hmm. allows Steph and Clay in the third and fourth quarter to come alive and they have gas left in the tank. And that's that's just a it's a huge part of it. Um, yeah. yeah. No, the, I think the biggest thing is the amount of ball movement that this team does. They're constantly on the move. The ball has energy. The guys are willing to make extra passes for the Warriors. And I think when you're dealing with that kind of defense where Steve Kerr, you know, Mike Brown, the assistant, you know, for this team, Kenny Atkinson and those guys, they're willing to throw out different coverages at you possession by possession. They're not going to necessarily stick to the same thing two, three, four consecutive possessions. They're willing to take their chances. And I think what's really wild about the Warriors is that when you look at their abilities to defend, most times you want to be able to get the big man out there onto you know in the screens and put him in action. Kavon Looney is not that guy that you want to necessarily do that with because if you put him into actions, he's able to hold his own on the perimeter. He's got good feet. He can move laterally and be able to show and recover and be able to make things happen for his teammates. So when you look at the Mavericks and how they attack them, there's a reason why you want to put Stephen Curry and Clay Thompson and all these other guys into actions because their athleticism, where you're talking about Andrew Wiggins or Jordan Poole or Draymond Green, they're so good with their shows and their recoveries and their closeouts that when you put Looney into action, it's really to the disadvantage for you as an offense because the way that the Warriors are able to defend and close and recover and all the things, they could do that much better because they can close out with the athleticism that they have. I would rather this team throughout the course of this series continue to attack the primary defenders. And you saw that in game three when they continued to go at Wiggins or when they continued to go at Clay Thompson or Stephen Curry, they were living inside the paint. They got away from that again because they fell in love with the three point shot once again. And of course it just hasn't been there for them this series. So there's a lot of different things that golden state does to really stretch you and to do so in extreme ways because of how athletic they are how quick they are, and more importantly, their communications and rotations on defense are sharp. So you've got to be able to move the basketball, but more importantly, attack them to try and get Kevon Looney into foul trouble 
And so far in this series, now Looney didn't necessarily have a great game, was quiet, only three or four, had nine points, but he did have 12 rebounds. Like that's the kinds of things that we're talking about where yeah. he could have an effect on the game. He did so and, again. And Wiggins had, Wiggins had over 10 rebounds as well, especially he was mopping up on the offensive glass. He had yeah, six rebounds in the offensive glass. Yeah. yeah. Mul- multiple tip-ins, one, one nice, really nice tip slam. Obviously, he had the... Mm-hmm. Incredible. I think that was left handed too. Yeah. 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 I, that was, I was like, I didn't. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. Nice. Nice. Uh, he had the, the fantastic dunk on Luca. Uh, yeah. I, I wanted, that was, that was one of the better, <laughs> one of the better posters I've seen in a while. A Jaws dunk in the first round was incredible. Uh, but I think this one has to be second, if not first, if you wanted to, to flip those two. Those are, yeah. My, yeah. That kind of took the air out the building a little bit. I mean, they tried to challenge it, uh, or they, I think, well, they challenged it. It got overturned. Did the Warriors? They right. challenged it. it. Got overturned. But yeah, Luca, Luca sold the heck out of that because if, at least in my estimation, when you watch the replay over and over again, yeah, he didn't get hit in the face. Like he sold no. it pretty good. Yeah, but yeah, he didn't get hit in the face at all on that play. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Uh, what do you think? There's so many question marks about. Obviously, there's there's more basketball left to play. Sure. Um, I, I think we both probably are in agreement that the Mavs are not winning this series. Whether they win the next game or not is is a different story. Um, but a lot of the questions this summer, and and this is going to be a continued a continual conversation that that we'll have. But what what can Luca add to his his game? What's a fair criticism, and what is an unfair criticism? of, of where he can still take things. I mean, I think to me, I'll start and then, and you can go. But the one thing to me is there was, there was one possession where we had excellent ball movement. The ball got rotated to the fourth man and it was Luca for a corner wing and, or for, for a a wing three off the catch and he missed it. Um, he back rimmed it, but it was a really good look wide open look. And I'm surprised actually he didn't put the ball on the floor and then shoot a step back afterwards. He he shot it straight (laughs) off of the pass. But I think that's something that, you know, he can look at Steph and, and say, okay, this is something I can add to my game. When Jalen's going ISO ball and he's he's cooking, he's doing his thing, I can be a shooter and be and be ready to shoot at a high clip and um and still be a, a big positive for my team when I'm off ball. Yeah, I think part of that is shot selection as well, because there's too many times where Luca, I think, bails out defenders by allowing himself to take step-back threes or just three-pointers in general when he can continue to attack the rim. And I think for me, one of my – I think two things. One, he's become a better free-throw shooter, but I want to see him get into that 80 percentile. If he gets into that 80 to 82 percentile as a free-throw shooter, there isn't much more that teams can do with him because now he's going to be able to punish teams at the free-throw line. But for me, it's catch-and-shoot threes. He's notoriously known for not being able to hit catch and shoot three pointers. And we know he likes to take a lot of his threes in rhythm, but he's got to be able to be better, especially in the corners where he can really devastate teams. If he becomes a decent catch and shoot guy, now you've really got no way of dealing with him because now you have to respect his ability to shoot from the ball, shoot the ball from the three point line as a catch and shoot guy. And once you start doing that, now he can start going by you and getting you to the rim because now you got to come out and defend him because he's right. an incredible three-point shooter on catch-and-shoot stuff. So those are, to me, my biggest things for him is become a better catch-and-shoot guy and then, to really get yourself to the point where you're in the low 80s as a free-throw shooter 
because now you can punish these. I mean, think about what he did in game game three. He went 14 of 17 from the free throw line, shot 82% from the free throw line, and he wound up with 40. Like those right. are the kinds of things that you can see from him if he's able to become that kind of devastating free throw shooter that can really punish teams when they decide to foul him. Yeah, I, I think uh, you know Giannis last year in the finals is a great example of that. Right, he was he was a guy whose free throw shooting had been criticized uh, essentially his entire career, mm-hmm. and he gets in a position where he really gets to showcase the work that he's put in. I think he went 16 for 16 or 17 for 17 in that one game against Phoenix. Um, he went for 40 plus. And when you're a guy, obviously Giannis and Luca, um, they're different physical athletes, but they both are physical presences um, in, in a similar way where they can basically beat every single guy that's in front of them um, mm-hmm. in one way or another, whether it's off the dribble uh, you know, Luca's utilization of his incredible footwork, the pivoting skills. Um, yeah. And you can get to the line almost at will. And and you're absolutely right. If, if he has that catch and shoot three, the defender has to get the extra inches up on him. And that provides more of a window for him to beat them with either a triple threat, a jab, the, you know, the, the pound dribble, the, the crossover, whatever he wants. It just opens up his already, almost enormous bag that he, that he has at his availability. Yeah. Um, I love just the, the dialogue about Luca and, and, and legacy and he's such a young guy and, you know, there's so much more of, of his career to play. And hopefully we get to watch that as a Dallas Maverick for the rest of his career, or at least I hope that, I don't know if you, sure, know if you yeah. feel that same way. Yeah. Kevin, but I mean, but I, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but I wanted to, uh, I wanted to do a little fun segment where, because uh, you know LeBron's going to get a biopic, Luca. Let's say eventually he gets a biopic. Who's playing Luca in this version of him right now? So I, I want to throw out. Have you ever seen the show Young Sheldon? Yeah. So that actor is about twelve years old. His name's Ian Armitage. By my calculation, if Luca plays, you know, twelve more seasons, say, <laughs> and, he, and he retires at thirty-five. Then young Ian will be, uh, he'll be 24. So I think he'll be, we'll be able to age him up to play Luca yeah. when he's, when he's, uh, you know, 35 and a wily veteran in the league. And then he'll also be able to play, of course, the Luca that we're, we're currently seeing now, the, the younger iteration and maybe some, some of the Real Madrid days and, and even prior to that. So that's, that's my pick. Uh, the, the current actor who plays young Sheldon is nice. the, bio, the biopic casting for Luca Doncic. I don't know if I'll be able to do much better than that because I'm trying to think like who. I mean, I thought way too way too long about that. I, I, I say you really <laughs> put a lot of thought in, in, into this. Well, who? I, I man, that's a great question. I'd have to think about that because I, off the top of my head, I'm trying to think. You know, who's got that? You know, kind of that big bill, but yet boyish looks that could you know possibly. Oh boy, I'll have to think about that. I don't know. I can't even think of anybody like good off. The, first of all, because you got to. Here's the thing. Like you got to be at least credible at playing the game of basketball. Too many of these movies sure. that got these actors playing athletes, they actually can't do it in real life. Like you got to be actually pretty decent, you know, playing the sport. I don't know. I have to think about that. I like that question though because, yeah, he's twenty three. He's got those boyish good looks. You know, got that you know rise smile, but he likes to talk a bunch of trash too. You know, that's right. the thing about him. I have to think about that. But I like I like your pick though. I like your pick because yeah, I yeah, yeah I don't know if I come up with anybody. 
better than I'll, that for sure. I'll, I'll keep thinking about it. I'll, I'll throw out some other options eventually. But yeah, that's, <laughs> these are these are the things that uh, that bounce around in my mind on a day to day basis. Basis. Hey, is, yeah. Look, Mavericks basketball always on the brain, and obviously going into game number four. Yep. The question is, can they stave off elimination? And I think the best thing that they can try and do is be able to play with that kind of sense of desperation that will allow them the best opportunity to be able to do that. And if they can, they're going to be a team that could handle that and potentially be able to do what they got to do. So, yep. you know, we'll see. But obviously, it's going to be tough. The Warriors are looking to close this thing out. They've been there, done that. They're looking to close them out, and we'll see if they can. But otherwise... I'm looking for a desperate team in game four. I'm looking for a team that's going to continuously attack the basket. And maybe this is the game that finally three-point shots start to fall because they can't they can't possibly continue to be this bad, can they, from the three-point line? Like, I can't imagine them, this team. Again, they went 13 of 45, you know, 29%. Like, they can't be this bad for four games just, in a series, just go can get, they? Just go get one. That's all I want. That's just all you need. Game. Just go get one, yeah. Just don't get it, swept. There's, there's there's too much bad auras out there with the Warriors and the Mavs and sweeps. I just don't. Oh, good just, point. Yeah. Just don't get swept. Just don't get swept. Yeah, I think uh, the best thing that the Mavs can do in game four, send this crowd home happy with a win. Even if you fall in game five, leave a good taste in Mavericks fans' mouths about how this season ultimately ends. And if it does end in five, at least you could send this home crowd who has really been phenomenal throughout the course of this season, you know, home with the uh, ability to say, Hey, the final home game I went to of 2022 was a win. Although they succumb in the playoffs. And then we turn our attention, obviously toward the NBA draft and NBA, you know, free agency, Jalen Brunson, when it comes to his free agency decisions yeah. have to be made on Trey Burke and Dwight Powell and Maxi Kleba. I'm sure there'll be some, Heavily debated conversations specifically, excuse me, around uh, Maxi Kleba. So you know, we'll see when it yeah. comes to that. I, I've got um, some, I've got some questions. I'm already percolating on on off season stuff. I, it's not the time right now, but I, I've already got some questions for you, Kevin. I'm excited to get into them. One last thing, I wanted to uh, before we go, wanted to shout out Marquise Daniels uh, earlier this week on Twitter. Someone tweeted like name a player from your childhood team that no one else knows that you really liked watching. And I was like, Marquise Daniels on the maps. We could, we could use that shot creation off the bench right now on a second unit score. I mean, we're getting some of it from Dinwiddie. I thought we didn't talk about him, but he played with great fire in game three. Uh, I, I was, I was happy to see him go to the cup so much. And also he was shooting with a lot of confidence and, and they were falling. Um, but Marquise Daniels, man, he had a, he had a silky mid range game, and he uh, he retweeted it, and I was like, okay, nice. I see you, Marquise. We'll have to get him on the show and talk uh, talk about hey. some of the, the Mavericks heyday, uh, him playing with Dirk and, and all those other guys. That's really cool. Well, it's always good to uh, the the Mavericks of yesteryear and of old have really taken to this team. Obviously, this year Dirk has been all over the place watching this team as they've traveled throughout the playoffs, and um, regardless of how this ends. I think Mavericks fans got a lot to be proud of of this team, but hopefully for this team, they won't rest on their laurels based on what they did this year. Uh, here, I'm sounding like Jason Kidd and everybody else. I'm out. Yeah, but, you know, it's been a great journey this year. You know, look, there's more games to play. Hopefully, at least a few more by the time we get to the end of the season. But hey, game four, 
will be on Tuesday at 8 p.m. exclusively on TNT. And then we'll see if the uh, the Mavericks can handle their business, stave off elimination, and get this thing back to San Francisco. And then, hey, you never know what could happen from there. But they got to get one that starts on Tuesday. You can find me on Twitter at Kevin Gray Sports. Alice, where can they find you at on Twitter? At Toss.0, T-A-S-S point O-H. There you go. Make sure you flood him with followers all over Twitter. You can, again, find us all over the Believe Network right here. Uh, flood me uh, flood me with some some Luca casting ideas. That's, well, that's exactly. what I want to see. That's what I want to see. There you go. Yeah. There you go. For my co-host, Alex Disopoulos, my name is Kevin Gray Mavericks Insider right here on the Believe Network. This has been another episode of Believe in Mavs. We'll be back to recap game four and hopefully a win for the Dallas Mavericks to extend their season. Until then, we'll talk to you later. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.